Okay, Boker Tov, good morning. We continue our study of Nesiva Shalom, the Slanam Rebbe. And there's so much, our Parsha is so rich, Kisisa, between the uh, notion, I really struggled which piece to do together. He has a beautiful piece on the importance of the half shekel, and how when one is feeling distanced from Hashem, when one is feeling sort of uh, despondent, hopeless, and helpless by connecting with the Jewish people, by complementing and supplementing one another, is how we raise ourselves up. He has beautiful pieces on Shabbos, the notion of Shabbos being Kodesh and uh, the central part of Shabbos. My, I, for, for a long time I worked, I still work hard on Shabbos and I work hard during the week, but for a long time I didn't look forward to Shabbos. It was a work day. But after uh, this past summer and some renewed commitment to energy and to Shabbos and adopting some new menhagim on Shabbos, I look forward all week to Shabbos. Shabbos is incredible. We were... Um, on our BRS base medrash fly into New York last week, we went to the Square Rebbe, and the Square Rebbe, he said this in Yiddish, so I understood about it, maybe a third of it, but I think what he was saying, he was talking about the importance of Shabbos, the connection. I was telling him how inspired I was from last summer, the Shabbos there, and some of the changes I've made, and he talked about, it says, called Ma'anagis HaShabbos, which we usually interpret to mean when you get pleasure from Shabbos, whether it's the delicacies, whether it's the disconnecting from all of the chaos and obligations, responsibilities, but when one gets pleasure from Shabbos. But he talked about the notion of, do you give pleasure to Shabbos? Do you make Shabbos proud of you? Do you give Shabbos nachas? Meaning Shabbos is a relationship. The Gemara already says that Sunday is Monday, and Tuesday is Wednesday, and Thursday is Friday, and Shabbos came to Hashem and said, who do I have? I don't have anybody to hang out with. Hashem said, giving you the Jewish people. You'll hang out together. So do you give the pleasure to Shabbos of hanging out together? Anyway, there's several pieces to have chosen. I chose this piece about Lochato Yisrael El Lahoros the story of the Chet Egel, the Jewish people, the most egregious sin perhaps in our past, where on our wedding night, can you imagine this couple go back to the hotel, the honeymoon suite, and the husband says, I'm going to get some ice from the ice machine, and then he slips into another room, and he has infidelity, he has an affair, he's disloyal on the wedding night. The Rebona Shalom brings us under Harsinai, our chuppah, he gives us his sacred Torah, and it doesn't take long. Moshe is on top of the mountain, celebrating, and uh, and on the base of the mountain, here we are having an affair. We're cheating the Chet Egel. Very, very difficult sugya. I think, to me, the most compelling explanation is the Kuzari of Yudah Levi, who says that really it was not an act of infidelity. We didn't worship an idol. We were worshiping Hashem, but we were trying to put him in a box. Until then, we had Moshe as the intermediary, the physical, tangible intermediary with which to connect to Hashem. He, God forbid, wasn't the embodiment of Hashem. We don't believe a human being, Basavadam, can embody Hashem. But we, as physical material beings, need a physical material connection. That's how we connect. So when Moshe disappears on a mountain and we miscalculated and thought he was never coming back, the Jewish people panicked. And they said, how are we going to physically connect? We need some manifestation. We live in the physical world. That's how we connect. So they built an eagle, not as an alternative to Hashem, but as a means of connecting to Hashem. And that's what Hashem says, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a legitimate need. I can respect and understand that need. But you don't call the shots. You don't get to decide how to connect to me in the physical world. I'll tell you how. And that's why the Mishkan is the antidote to the Chayta Ego. Hashem says, you need a physical means? I'll give you the exact prescription. I'll give you the exact formula. It's called the Mishkan. It's why Moshe smashes the Luchos. Because by breaking the Luchos, what was the statement he was making? That there's nothing that physically, inherently or intrinsically has the holiness of Hashem. Everything in this physical world is just physical. God is the Lamala, God is above, God is beyond that. We can't limit Him. 
can't bind him to the physical world. So he drops the luchos. He smashes them to show them God is beyond anything. You can't put him in a box. You can't limit him. You can't hold him to just a tangible. So the Chet Egel is not an act, says the Kuzari, of infidelity. It wasn't an act of rebelliousness. It was actually, in some ways, a beautiful effort to connect to Hashem, just a misguided one. We're not entitled to use our creativity to do what we want, to explore, to try to find Hashem, to put Hashem, make Him conform to our needs, but rather we conform to what He tells us is the best way to get close to Him. Anyway, so that's not what this piece is about either. This piece is about how do you come back from that? How do you come back from such a miscalculation, such a misguided conclusion? You know, it's like a person, I don't know, they're trying to get close to their spouse, so they come up with some kakamemi creative really wrong way to get close to their spouse because that's the way they think they can, and their spouse discovers it. They say, well, what do you mean? I'm, this is how I thought I could get close to you by doing this. I won't try to give any graphic examples. But, and the spouse says, hey, if you want to get close to me, just ask me. Ask me what I need. Ask me what I want. Ask me how we can connect. Don't try to presuppose and presume and creatively try to connect to me in your own imaginative way when in fact you haven't connected to me, you've driven a wedge, you've distanced yourself from me. So how do you come back from that miscalculation, from being misguided? Amr Chazal, says, When the Jewish people made this terrible mistake, they did so in order to set a precedent, to teach us. Now, that kind of lets them off the hook, right? that we're not going to hold them accountable for what they did because really what they did was to teach us you can make a mistake and come back from it. So they were still accountable. They weren't off the hook. But we did learn that lesson. How? So the Slam Rebbe says, what Chazal did in that Gemara Navarazara was to say, when you learn, when you read Parshas Kisisa, read it not as the sugya. This is not the story of when things go wrong. This is the story of how to make things right. You can extrapolate from here. You see... We were always fallible. We were always limited. We'll never be okay. We can't control ourselves. They did it. We do it. Let's move on. Let's give up on ourselves. Let's have no confidence in ourselves. But instead, read the sugya of the story of the eagle as the sugya of tshuva, parshas tshuva, to learn from it what happens when something goes wrong. How do you recover? How do you restore a relationship? There's an amazing TED Talk. There's a woman named Esther Perel, P-E-R-E-L. A Jewish woman, traditional Jewish woman, Parents were survivors. She grew up uh, first in, was it Holland? I forgot which, like Norwegian country, and then in Israel, and then in America. She's a very, very popular uh, therapist. She's written a lot of books, and she has a TED Talk with millions of views about how to come back from infidelity. When one spouse cheats, how do you come back? Does it mean the end, the death of a relationship? Or can you actually repair a relationship to make it better than ever? And she has, uh, it's worth watching, like all TED Talks, it's like eight minutes long. Um, it's amazing, even for a relationship that, please God, has never had cheating. It's very powerful. And she talks about everyone is going to be married more than once. The only question is, will it be to the same person or a different person? So an act of cheating, while it reveals and exposes major flaw in the relationship, if you're able to then address it and heal it, you can have a, a better relationship than ever. If you're unable to address it, if exposing those flaws just uh, escalates them, then it's going to be the death, the end of a relationship. And she talks about that, that therefore how it can, how it can make things better. And that reminds me of this Parsha Zatshuva, the notion of you have a, a flaw in a relationship, how do you come back? <coughs> Moshe comes down from the mountain and he sees the golden calf and he sees the circles, the dancing. Lebedek, they're dancing. And he throws down the luchos and he breaks them. Kosh Baruch Hu first tells him, he says, look, I got security cameras everywhere. 
Hashem says, I've got eyes everywhere. While we're up here studying Torah, know that your spouse is down there cheating on you. I got a security camera. And Moshe doesn't break the luchos at that moment. Moshe doesn't react that way then. Till he sees with his own eyes, not just hears what they did wrong, but when he sees the pleasure, the joy they took in it, that's when he reacts. What is the catalyst for Moshe breaking the tablets? Moshe doesn't destroy the luchos just from hearing about what they did wrong. What motivates him? What pushes him over the edge to break the luchos? Only when he sees them singing and dancing and partying and celebrating what they had done. Says the son of Marebbe, what this means is that HaKadosh Baruch the Almighty, with his infinite compassion, gave us a way back. He said, when you do something wrong, you're only human. And humans make mistakes. We say the wrong thing, look at the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, go the wrong place. We're humans. We make mistakes. We have a Yetzirah. Hashem implanted in us in it. He knows it. Even when a Jew falls, when a Jew goes to a lowly level, Hashem created a medicine, an antidote, within the mistake itself. The notion of shame, the notion of guilt, are really healthy emotions. Now, not like the Jewish way that we obsess over guilt and we create guilt and we make people feel guilty about things they shouldn't feel guilty about. I don't mean like Jewish mother guilt. That's not healthy. But the idea that when we do something wrong, when we cross a boundary, when we do a violation, we feel bad about it. We feel less about it. We're ashamed of it. That's really, really healthy. And why is it so important? Why is it so healthy? I liken shame, busha, I've spoken a lot about, about it a lot, I liken it to, to nerves. There's a, there's a neuropathy and there are diseases, I think we've spoken about it, where a person can't feel pain. It's incredibly dangerous when a person's nerves are not functioning and they can't feel pain. They could have internal bleeding. They could cut themselves. They could have a lethal condition and not know it because they don't feel pain. Pain is the greatest gift Hashem gave us. We don't enjoy it. We try to dull or numb it. We create medicines that take it away. But the presence of pain alerts us something's wrong. And if we didn't have the capacity to feel pain and we weren't alerted something was wrong, we couldn't treat it. We couldn't make it better. Shame and guilt are the nerve endings of the soul. They alert us something's wrong. Something's wrong. You should be blushing. Somebody's acting inappropriately, dressed inappropriately, speaking inappropriately. You should feel ashamed. You did something inappropriate. You watched something inappropriate. You said something inappropriate. You did something inappropriate. You crossed the line. You crossed the boundary. Feel shame. Feel guilt. And that feeling, the spiritual nerve endings alert you. Something's wrong. It needs repair. It needs to be addressed. means your friend gives you yisurin. I, if they're giving you Yisurin, how are they your friend? And if they're your friend, why would they give you Yisurin? The answer is, your best friend tells you something's wrong. It needs to be addressed. I want to help you heal. Your enemy says, I'm not going to let the person know they're bleeding out. (laughs) Your enemy says, I'm not going to alert the person something's really wrong. Your friend says, I'm going to tell you something's really wrong. So the chait, after you do the chait, you make the mistake. You have poor judgment. You have an indiscretion. 
within the indiscretion, within the mistake, is the response. Namely, if the chet generates shame, if the mistake generates guilt, and you embrace the guilt to propel you to address what went wrong and make it better, it exposes, it reveals the flaw, maybe a fatal flaw, that in it is the answer. So when Moshe is on top of the mountain and Hashem says, do you know what's going on on the bottom of that mountain? Can you believe it? They built an eagle, they're worshipping it. And Moshe says, okay, I'll deal with it. I'm going to go down and deal with it. What's Moshe thinking in that moment, says the Salaam Rebbe? Moshe is thinking, what is he going to find at the base of the mountain? People sitting on the floor with torn sackcloth, in a state of fasting, crying and praying and saying, oh, I'm so ashamed, I feel so guilty, we're so humiliated, we're so pathetic, we can't believe what we just did, we're broken, we feel terrible. Instead, what does he find? When he comes down and he sees, they're singing and dancing, there's a 20-piece orchestra and a four-piece choir, and they're singing and they're dancing in circles and concentric circles, and they're partying over their mistake, he says. This is hopeless. Forget it. Making a mistake, that's human. Celebrating the mistake versus regretting the mistake, that's what we're accountable for. It's almost, and this is what the Islam Rebbe is going to say here, and I find this so uplifting. Not as an excuse, not letting us off the hook, but it's uplifting. Kodesh Baruch Hu is not disappointed in us that we make mistakes. We make mistakes. Yetzirah gets a hold of us. You got that juicy gossip, it's so hard not to share. And you click in through the internet and it's so hard to turn away when something attracts your attention. And countless other, you want to sleep in, you're exhausted, you come late to show, you don't come to show, you come up with excuses for sure. There's countless examples. Hashem understands there's a Yetzirah. It eats at us, it gnaws at us, it defeats us. He can understand, he can accept that. What he can't tolerate and accept is, how do we react afterwards? So when you finally slip yourself out of bed and you take a shower, you've missed all the minyanim, do you say, oh, I feel so terrible, I feel so low, I feel so pathetic. How do I make sure that tomorrow morning I jump out of bed and I make minyan? Or do you say, oh, what a schluff, that was fantastic. I got to do this more often. That was great, nobody noticed. BRS has seven minyanim in the morning, nobody knows which one I was at and I wasn't at. That was great. I'm going to do this more often. How do we react after the mistake? How do we react afterwards? So when Moshe sees their partying, that's when he throws them down. They have no relationship with luchos. The luchos are the compass, and they guide us. Where are you in the world? Who are you? Who do you want to be? So Moshe says, I have this compass to guide the Jewish people towards their potential, who they're meant to be, but they don't want to go on this journey. So if you don't want to go on the journey, you don't need a compass. If you're not coming on the trip, you don't need a passport. The luchos are the passport, they're the compass. They tell us how to get where we're meant to go. But if you're not interested in going on that trip, because you're celebrating your mistake, and you're excited about your shortcoming, and you're going to do it over again, and you have nostalgia, and you tell your best friend, you know what, I slept in, it was fantastic. I went to such and such a place. It was gewaldic. What do you need a luchos? What do you need a passport? What do you need a compass? And breaking the luchos is one of the greatest acts. It's the legacy of Moshe. As Chazal say, This is the end of the Torah. The end of the five books of Moshe. And what does it mean? 
Moshe did What was the thing that Moshe did before all the Jewish people? He broke the luchos. When he says these are hopeless and helpless people, how did he know that? Because their hearts are full. They're so excited. They're so happy. They're so they're so proud of what they did. They're not broken. They're not ashamed. They have no guilt. He had to break their hearts. How did he break their hearts? When he took off the ring and he gave it back and he said, you don't feel bad about what you did? Here's the ring. I'm out of here. I don't need to be married to you. You made a mistake. I found you looking at something on the internet. I found you flirting with somebody. I found you did something that broke my heart. You brought home some pet I didn't want. I saw you hurt me so badly. So that I can get over. But when you see how much it hurts me, so if you gave it back, Baruch Hashem, that's a tremendous act. It restores the relationship. makes it better than ever. It's geschmack. But if you celebrate it, say, here, I'm out of here. So Moshe says, I'm breaking the luchos. You don't need the luchos. We don't have marriage. We don't have, we don't have romance. That's what Rashi quotes, the Chazal. Kosh says, Yashikoach Shashibarta. Yashikoach Shashibarta. The Rebun Rashi, these are his luchos. But he gives the Moshe Rabbeinu Yashikoach. So how did you jar the Jewish people? How do you shake them? How do you rattle them out of their complacency, out of their apathy, out of their joy, out of their celebration, out of their lack of guilt? You break the luchos. You have to do something extreme. You have to do something extraordinary. Breaking the luchos was, here's the ring back. Breaking the luchos is, I've scheduled with Rabbi Flug. It's over. We're done. Then, the, oh, that's a wake-up call. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'll do whatever it takes. You're right. I feel guilty. I feel horrible. Now I see the error of my ways. I'm so sorry. I'll do whatever it takes. So Moshe, breaking the luchos, woke the Jewish people in them. Baruch was willing to let his name be erased in order to exonerate the sota. He was willing to allow his holy luchos, which were supernatural, miraculous luchos, to be broken in order to fix, in order to unbreak, to repair the relationship of the Jewish people in Israel and Only Moshe can make that calculation. Right? You can't have some pulpit rabbi who decides people are talking in shul, he's sick of it, he's going to take the Torah out of the Aron, and he's going to throw it on the ground and say, if you're going to talk in Hazar Sashat, we might as well trample on this Torah. Relax, Rabbi. <laughs> I don't know who you think you are. Take a deep breath. Relax. Relax. Even the head of the decorum right. committee would not recommend that. Mm-hmm. Right? Moshe Rabbeinu could get away with that. Only a Moshe Rabbeinu can get away with that. <clears throat> Such an extreme act to jar the Jewish people, to wake them up. <clears throat> How did they react, Taka? Moshe achieved his goal, the mission. How did they react from this extreme act? With extreme mourning, with guilt. So until now, he says, Hey Moshe, you're, you, know, you know like when you're really upset at your kids? They're frustrating you, they're driving you out of your mind. I don't know, in my case, I'm supposed to be, you're not, called, you're not supposed to call it babysitting when they're your children. Let's say I'm babysitting and they're driving, I call you Chavid. Your kids are driving me crazy. I mean your kids. Your kids are driving me crazy. So where we learn that from? Hashem. He says to Moshe, your nation, you know what they're doing at the bottom of the mountain? Your nation? But once Moshe breaks the luchos and he wakes them up from their... <clears throat> from their... Delirium. Yeah. 
So then, blue, then they're mourning, they're guilty, they're broken, they're rattled. Now Hashem calls them Bnei Yisrael, my children. Until now, he says, your children. So this is the Ramban. The Ramban is exactly saying that this is exactly the story of the Chet Egel. It's not a story of making a mistake. We all make mistakes. It's like the TED Talk, not as extreme as Esther Perel is describing, hopefully. But we all, but we all make mistakes. It's human to make mistakes. The question is, what do we do after the mistake? Do we celebrate it? Do we, do we have nostalgia for it? Do we take pride in it? Do we tell others about it? Or are we racked with guilt and shame, which are healthy if they motivate and stimulate us to be better? That's what it means. The Jewish people were roi for this in order to model for us how to come back. You hear these words of the Salam Rebbe, these unbelievably powerful words. Let's read this again. In the mistake, there's a portion of the mistake that you're not accountable. It was beyond you. Why? Because the Yitzhara rage is so strong. Are we in control? Yes. Are we accountable? Absolutely. But the Yitzhara rage is so strong that Ki'ilu, there's a piece of every mistake that was beyond you. Kashbarhu knows what's happening in the inner recesses of our hearts. Forget whether on the outside we exhibit we're so righteous, we're so pious, we're so holy. He knows what's really going on in our heart. So do you have nostalgia for that mistake? Do you look back with pride and joy? Do you long for it? Do you wish you could do it again? Or are you broken by it? Are you racked with guilt? Do you feel ashamed? Do you know you're capable of more and better? Do you strive to never do it again? He knows the difference of what's going on in our heart. And that's why I build the Mizbeach with my broken heart. How do I build the Mizbeach? By having a broken heart. By feeling bad. By feeling guilty. There's nothing that it's too late. There's nothing that it's beyond us. The story of the eagle is not the story of making mistakes. That's human. It's the story of coming back. So even though the Jewish people made the mistake, they failed to be racked by guilt, they celebrated, they danced, they partied, but at least then, when they were jarred, when they were woken up, sometimes something extreme happens, and that is a wake-up call. At least we have to respond to the wake-up call. At least the wake-up call should move us. So Moshe breaking the luchos was that wake-up call. And, Baruch Hashem, they responded. And Hashem responds to their responding. And He says, Oh, Bnei Yisrael, you're my children again. You're my children again. Are you still accountable for the ego? Yes. But you know what? The fact that you feel ashamed and guilt that shows there's a neshama inside you. Our relationship still has a spark. It can re- be reignited. It can be fanned. And the flames can rage again. What preserves the spark? What preserves the, the pilot light in a relationship? The capacity for shame, for guilt. Once you're beyond that, it's over. If you do things and you don't even feel bad about it, the death knell. 
why is the story of the Chet Eagle introduced with when Moshe was done receiving the Torah, that's when the Chet Eagle happened. What do you have to review history? We know that the giving of the Torah happened because the Kosh gives the Rafur before the Makkah. He gives the antidote before he gives the illness. The Torah is the response to all this. Where do we find the resiliency, the courage? Where do we find the focus? Where do we find the strength to feel guilty, to have shame? We find it in Torah, by learning Torah, by embracing Torah, by living Torah. Torah is that compass. When you take those two luchos, when you learn Torah every day, when you live Torah, when you interpret not only the world events, but your events, your mistakes, your successes, when it all is seen through the filter of Torah, it is the compass to help us understand. So when you're on fire, even when you make a mistake, you say, you know what? I'm better than that. I'm capable of more than that. That's not who I am. It's not who I want to be. It's directly proportional to the degree that we feel ashamed, to the degree that we feel we're capable of more, because Baruch Hu forgives us. As it says in the Zohar, how could you know how bad, how egregious what you did is? How could you know? You're just a lowly basar v'adam. The answer is Torah. Torah is the, gives us the metric. Torah is the measure of what's right and what's wrong, what we should feel guilt and how guilty we should feel. First we had the Torah before the Chet Eagel. Kashbarch is kind, he's forgiving, he loves us. He knows, he knows that it's not our fault. We've got a Yetzahara. Kasharosh is Ablu Meata Yaskir Mishma Machaviv. Vizel Gamkim in the Horus Shuvah Rabbish Laman made them a Pasha Zoo. Hachuva Ruya Bamishivron Leva, Krasacheta Muka, Derkazahaya de Koch Tork, Murmur Pasak by Yetain El Moshe. So, what did Chazam mean in the Gemara of Arazar when they said that this whole Sugya, this whole Parsha, Kisisa, the story of the Chaita Eagle, is to teach us about Shuvah? What they meant is not to say, Go do whatever you want. Enjoy the pleasures of this world because you're not responsible because everybody's got a Yetzirah. We are responsible and we're capable of great things and we should have discipline and we have to be in control. But no, not if you'll make a mistake, when you'll make a mistake. It's what it means to be alive. It's the nature of a human being. We make mistakes. And know that when you make that mistake, everything about the mistake is how you react to it. Is how we respond to it. And by the way, this is not just true in our relationship with the Rebona Shalom. It's not just true in our religious identity. It's true in our relationships in life. Husbands and wives, they fight. They make mistakes. They violate what the other one wanted. And the question is, when they do, do they say, okay, you're right, I'm sorry, whatever, move on. And the other person says, don't you realize how much you're hurt? Don't you feel bad? Don't you feel guilty? Don't you feel ashamed? 
To the degree which you say, I'm really, really sorry. Looking back, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said, gone there. I shouldn't have done that. When the person sees your remorse, your regret, your guilt, your shame, they're much, much more eager to forgive you and to move on. Because within the guilt, within the shame, is the effort to reconnect, to repair. It's true in our relationship with our spouses. It's true in our relationship with Hashem. We make mistakes, we're human. To make mistakes is human. The question is after the mistake. Do we celebrate it? Are we proud of it? Are we nostalgic for it? Or do we recognize we're better, we're capable of more, and we commit to learn from it to never do it again? And everything about whether it will atone or not is, is within the mistake. So within the mistake is the answer of how to come back from it. Within it, and the guilt and the shame from it, is the answer of how to repair from it. Have a great day.